When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we have with us today Dr. Blair Duddy, local pediatrician extraordinaire, UCLA alum. Tell me about the moms who do their research and they're not for vaccination and you're a pediatrician. How do you talk to them? Well, you know, I start with what have you heard? What have you read that makes you nervous about the vaccines? So I try to address that. And, um, you know, they'll bring up autism because they, they've read that and I'll talk about the genesis of that, the famous Wakefield study, and how you know, it wasn't just bad medicine, it was literally fraudulent, that he recruited kids with disabilities into the study mm-hmm. and lost his license over that. You know, it's funny because the convincing them, there's, there's partly is this data, what's the data say? And unfortunately, to convince them, you often have to have anecdotes, yeah. right? And um, you know, like I have, there's been every year or two, there's a, a news article of a mom who lost their healthy 11-year-old to influenza, mm. that this healthy, perfect, non-asthmatic died of it. So I, I have some of those copies to get them. And then, I, you know, I talk about my experience. So I'm the last generation, hopefully, of physicians to see strep pneumo and H. flu bacteria. So those vaccines came out in 1990 and 2000. And I finished my training in the early 90s, so I let them, you know, I talk about how pre-1990, you know, what year were you born? A lot of them born like 88. The year you were born, the number of kids that died of these two infections that we now prevent would equal 40% of U.S. cancer deaths in children. Mm. So if you had a vaccine and you eliminated 40% of all cancer deaths, you'd be famous, win the Nobel Prize, be partying in Italy with George Clooney and Z-Dog. <laughs> and like, so, Me and Clooney are tight because <laughs> right. of ER. That's right. So, um, and then I also say, I also tell them, well, you know, ask your parents and your grandparents this question. Do you ever notice you don't see kids with hearing aids anymore? And they'll go, wow, that's true, because they all went to school with a couple kids with hearing aids. I did. My best friend had hearing aids, yeah. Those are kids that got meningitis as a toddler, and 10% were left uh, with hearing loss. So the last 20 years is 40,000 fewer. Uh, fewer deaf kids. These, these are the things no one talks about. Well, right? I do, and they, they will listen to me, but a lot of them still don't. Sometimes mm-hmm. they just, and sometimes it just takes time. Yeah. And, um, well, I will tell them, and I tell them this, is that, uh, you know, uh, if you're me, you have to understand why I'm passionate, I'll tell them, because if you're me, if you've seen a two-year-old die of sepsis or meningitis, if you've heard the animal-like wailing sound that gets emitted by a mother whose baby has just died, and you can prevent it, you want to do that. Yeah, you'll right? do everything so you can. Yeah. They will do that. And, and you, know, your, uh, you know, your elephant says, when people say, oh, I've done my research, like, really? I, I couldn't go on the internet for 10 hours and be an electrician like you, yeah. Dad, or whatever. You know, you could push back against that because it is kind of absurd that they're saying to you in front of you, oh, I believe University of Google instead of this person in front of you right. who has spent their whole professional life doing with this. But I do often talk about my kids. I would never do anything, and this is true, this mm-hmm. is pretty easy. I would never do anything I wouldn't do for my own kids. My kids are vaccinated. Yep. Um, I want you to think about that. You have to kill them with kindness. Yeah. Because if you, um, you know, just get angry and push back, because they're kind of questioning you. I, I'm kind of the expert. I'm an idiot in many other areas of life, but in this area, uh, I am the expert. <laughs> uh, you, you're absolutely correct from a professional standpoint. Now, my role is interesting because I see it as a little different. 
My role is to get angry, right. to start right. yelling, because we don't get to do that. So it's an outlet for healthcare people to go, that's how I really feel. I would never tell a patient that, right. but it's a way to rally the tribe to get reinvigorated, to have the more, the more elephant-centered discussions that you're having. Now, I, right. related to that, HPV vaccine is a huge failure on many pediatricians' part to bring up, to talk about, et cetera, because of the stigma of the sexual component right. of it and uh, uh, the relative newness, even though it's been out for over a decade of the vaccine. How do you address HPV vaccine? You know, well, it's funny because I, I keep, um, you keep trying different pitches and seeing what works, mm. right? That's, mm. that's how clinical medicine works. And you hope, hopefully, and in this venue, you share your pearls with, with what works for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it takes practice. It's like a comedian that goes on the road and does a, you know, a million shows and then works their bit finally, and then they go on Johnny Carson and see what works, right? right. You do that too, you have experience. Yeah. You were asking me earlier about you know, getting used to media events, and you just have to do it enough. Yeah. Because, you know, like, I'm totally uncomfortable right now, to be totally honest, but, you know. I'm it looks like a star. <laughs> well, you know, you are easy and approachable, but it's just a hard, it's hard. Mm. You want to be your authentic self. So anyway, mm. um, you know, it, with HPV, I've tried different things. I like to point out for boys, I like to talk about it as a cancer prevention, and I'm not, you know, trying to avoid the sexuality piece. Sometimes I'll say, well, the truth is, unless my daughter's gonna grow up and be a nun and my son is gonna grow up and be a priest, which is not likely since we're Jutheran in the daddy household. Um, <laughs> Jutheran? Yeah. Ah, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Or Jewish. Jew yeah, no. Jewish. No, no, right, right. My, yeah. So anyway, unless they're gonna, that, that at some point they'll be at risk for, for uh, STDs, including HPV, and that you know the number of women that die of of uh, cervical cancer equals two times annual total pediatric cancer deaths in the U.S. It's very common. Pretty in boys, you know, sometimes in the boys I'll say like, you know, well obviously you can't get cervical cancer, but HPV causes oral and anal cancer, and you don't want butthole cancer. Butthole cancer is the worst. Right. Son. And you can see them go like, huh? I'm like, yeah, they put a bag here, you have to poop after it. And How do you respond to? Well, then they'll show you something from the internet of a woman in a wheelchair with contractures going. This is what HPV vaccine did to her. No, it's hard. I mean, I don't know the particulars. I've seen some of those things. Yeah. I say, well, when you give it to millions and millions of people, if they get some kind of illness one day, one week, one month later, yeah, it's natural to look back and say, could it be? The science doesn't support that. Right. The science supports that the benefits outweigh the risks. Massively. Right. I like what you just did. And then, <laughs> to me, the sexual piece, so I see a lot of people that, you know, I don't have to worry, my, my daughter's not gonna have sex till, till you know they get married, mm -hmm. and that's gonna be the first sexual uh, experience. You know, I talk about you know you have to get into the nitty gritty in the office. That you know you can get it from non intercourse sexual behavior. First base, second base, right, exactly. And um, yeah, that you can get it from not, and that eventually it's important. You don't know the sexual history of the other people you've been around. Mm -hmm. You know, of your future spouse, mm -hmm. um, and that to me talking about it the risk of a sexually transmitted infection actually helps them make the decision, the proper decision to, uh, to put off uh, sexuality until you're older, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So talking about SD, SDIs, talking about contraception doesn't make them suddenly like, oh, I'm gonna go out and have sex now, because right. Right, they understand that it can all, you know, contraception fails, that we all know this as adults, that everyone has a friend or family member with an oops baby, i.e. they're only planning on two, and then they had three, or they were gonna wait for three years, and they didn't. And then you have that guy, <coughs> AKA Tom, who claims to break condoms. Listen, <laughs> we all know that Z has HPV. I mean, the, the statistics don't lie, people. 
They don't I, 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 I own it, people. I, I, yeah, I have HPV. I'm gonna tell the world right now, I got HPV. I'm and not sure what strain, but it's all over these parts. He got so, the warts too. He got the warts, people. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. I had them removed. <laughs> Uh, so that's a, a fair <laughs> warning for all adolescents to put off sexual Exactly. Don't be no, like z -Dog. I think it does. I think it, it really actually helps them decide, I'm going to put off sexual behavior till they're older. Because yeah. parents were like, are you encouraging sexual behavior right. by putting them? And that's not part of the equation. Right. Oh, I had my HPV. Now I'm going to go and have sex. What would you tell the new generation of medical students that just matched in pediatrics? Oh, okay. They're well, going to become pediatricians. People that... It's not the only reason why I chose pediatrics. I thought it was fascinating. I take care of, you know, 500 gram preemies up to, you know, six foot 10 high school player, football players. And there's the genetics component. So it's an interesting field, but part of why I chose it is you kind of, uh, the mentors and peds were people that were excited about it, that were caring. You know, people chose pediatrics knowing, eyes open, that it, it happens to be the lowest paid specialty. Now I'm upper middle class, I'm not, uh, starving by any means, but it is, it is, you know, you go into knowing it's lower pay. Mm -hmm. And some people, as we know, do pick fields based on just the, the income. income more than, you know, there's a balance, it's a balance, mm -hmm. and lifestyle. So people that pick pediatrics usually, you know, their heart is in it, and that's why I liked it. And then, you know, I think that the expectation, the understanding, the expectation is, you know, you can't, you can't, um, uh, look and say, oh, why am I not making 500 grand like an orthopedist? It's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, so that that's part of it. And and you know, I in the end, you know, I never go to work dreading it. Right? Mm. I always, you know, if I was independently wealthy, I might work half time or yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah. but uh, you know, I really enjoy it. You know, as a parent myself, um, you know, there's nothing more important. <laughs> Of course, when my own kids get sick, I'm just like, I put my finger in my mouth and I crawl, you know, like every, you know. I do the same thing. Oh, I got home yeah. once and my son had like fever and abdominal pain. He was yeah. probably like five. And uh, I was freaked out, of course, and worried about acute appy or whatever. Yeah. And so I like, rushed him back to the office when my colleagues were there. And he had strep throat. I didn't look at his throat or anything. And strep can present with just headache and tummy ache. And like sure. all objectivity goes Gone. on. Yeah. yeah, I don't, you know, I don't treat, I do a little more than civilians, but I don't treat my patients. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, you yeah. want someone who's on that, on the rail of, you know, of course, when yeah. to do something and when not. Because as you know, that's often the best judgment is to wait. You know, one of, one of my professors, his favorite, line was something like, don't just do something, stand there. You know, wait, let's wait the next four hours, four days, see how things go. That, I think that's great advice. You know, I'll, I'll wanna end with a story about relating to that. So my dad, internal medicine doc, my mom a psychiatrist, do you think I ever got, because they are the old school Indian. They're cheap <laughs> and they're both doctors. Yeah. And so when I was growing up, do you think I ever got to no, see a doctor? Doctor, no. doctor? No. So <laughs> what would happen is I remember I came back and it, it, it extended into adulthood. So <laughs> I was in college. I threw my back out jumping on a trampoline in, the, in my backyard. And so I came home back to Clovis to see my parents. And I'm like, man, I really jacked my back. Like I have these sort of pain shooting down my leg, you know, a little bit of this and that. And my dad said, okay, drop your pants. <laughs> And I was like, what, what are you, I'm sorry, what? Like I had CPS there on speed dial ready to go. And, and, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I need to test whether you have a deficiency in the S5 nerve root to make sure there's no compression. And I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, you'll see. <laughs>
<laughs> and it was then that I realized you just don't treat family. Like you don't treat family because it's it's not okay. So yeah, it's 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 a thing. So I'm glad that you actually uh, do the right thing with your kids and freak out and go to the doctor. <laughs> so ZPAC, Dr. Blair Duddy, thank you so much. Let's give him a hand, hit share, tell your friends. This is how you talk about vaccines. This is how you do science. We out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.